Hello again to everyone. We're thankful for another opportunity to look into the Word of God. Thankful for each one of you that are here with us as we would try to study and grow in our understanding of the Word of God. Uh, we've come now, we're at the end of 2 Kings chapter number 4. And in this chapter of 2 Kings, we've saw, and really, this is a very busy chapter. We saw at the beginning the widow whose sons were going to be taken, and Elisha augmented her oil. She took her little pot of oil and poured out till every vessel that she had borrowed was full. A wondrous miracle there that redeemed the children, purchased them back from the creditor. We also saw the great Shunammite woman, how that she built a chamber for the man of God. God blessed her with a son, how that that son died, and then God raised that son from the dead all through Elisha. So uh, a, a very busy chapter with, with wondrous miracles and shows of power by the man of God. And now we're going to come again to 2 Kings chapter number 4 and verse 38. And we'll read a few verses here and then think about them and see how far that we go. So, and Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot, and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. <clears throat> and he went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered thereof wild gourds his lap full, and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat. And it came to pass, as they were eating of the pottage, that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring meal. And he cast it into the pot. And he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. So, thinking about this little account here, here again is the sons of the prophets, that school of men that are with the prophet and they're being taught and learning the word of God that they might uh, teach others also, remembering that really that's the goal of the church, that we would gather, that we would have Sunday school, that we would uh, have the preaching of the gospel in most places three times a week. Um, I realize some may say three times a week is too much or whatever argument that may be made against that. Um, I would say that if, if we really were going to be biblical, we could go back to the book of Acts and we would find that it was every evening. They met on the Sabbath day, they met on the Lord's day, and they met through the week to study and hear the Word of God and to pray and to seek the power of God. And I realize you can argue, well, we're living in a different day and a different hour, but the truth is they had to work for what they done then, and we work for what we do now. Uh, the, the difference is really desires of the heart, I, I would say. And so, really, if, if we're going to pray to God, God, what would your will be? I wonder how many times the Lord would have us to meet through the week. 
And man totally rejects any type of thinking like that because, because in the heart, man knows the answer is not what they want. And so man doesn't think about that. But here is the sons of the prophets they've gathered and they lived in a college-type fashion. They they come and dwelt with a man of God, and they were learning always and all the time that they might be able to teach others the truths of the Word of God. Because if if the church doesn't know the the truth of the Bible, if the church doesn't know the right interpretation of the Bible, then what's being taught out of the church is also a wrong interpretation of the Bible. So it's it's expedient. It's important that the elders, that the pastors, that the teachers, that they study and that they dig and that they know what the Bible says, that they might be able to communicate to those that are coming on in the faith that they could know the truth and that the truth would go out from the church. And I'm not saying or implying that we know it by our works, certainly God reveals and illumines our heart by the Spirit of God to the truth. But if I don't pick up the book and read it, the Holy Spirit can't teach it to me out of thin air. I'm going to have to put forth some effort. And man doesn't want any effort. We'd rather enjoy ourselves and do what we want to do. But the truth is, to grow in God, we're going to have to bury ourselves in the Word of God and, and dig into these things, read them and think about them and study them that we might grow. And, you know, this is just a, a little pitiful little uh, uh, thing that we do every week, a little Bible study to try to help us to grow. And it helps me as much as it does anybody else. But, you know, we, we're going to have to spend more time than that in the Word of God if if we're really going to grow in understanding of it. And so they're here and there's a dearth in the land. So again, we, we've got another famine. We've got another dry spell that the, the ground is just not producing like it normally would, like it has even the potential to produce. The ground is not putting forth its fruit because of a lack of rain, a lack of the blessing of God, really, is the problem. And so they're, they're trying to find something to eat. And Elisha says to set on the great pot and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. So Elisha, while his main duty is to teach the word of God, he has a desire to also take care of the natural part as well. And we see that in our Lord's ministry as he was on the earth. That is, he had great multitudes following him. He, he fed them and fed them miraculously. Certainly he did that. And we're going to see a miracle in this as well. But the Lord Jesus not only provided for the, the means of the spirit, but also for the means of the body. And we see that if you look and if you think and ponder, the provision of God for us today has certainly provided for the salvation of the soul and how wonderful that that is, how thankful that we ought to be for the production of redemption in our life. God produced that. That was not there. It was not... Uh, uh, able to be, but God produced that both it, at the cross through Jesus Christ and in our hearts by the ministry of the Spirit 
and the Word of God, God wrought this redemption in our life. And we ought to give thanks to God for that. But you know as well, God's provision has provided for us naturally as well. He's provided for us family and, and good things. and We ought to be thankful and return thanks to that as well. We're living in a day and hour of great unthankfulness to the God that provides all things. Man's just not thankful or grateful anymore. But any little thing flies wrong. And we're upset and we're angry at God. And uh, we've got cause and we've got reason. And our eyes have been blinded to all that God has done for us, naturally and spiritually, in this life. So the man of God, he cares and makes provision for their flesh that they might eat, that they might live. And one went out into the field to gather herbs. So they're going out to gather stuff to go into this pottage. This is going to be a, a vegetable soup, if you will. It's the same pottage that Jacob was seething over in the book of Genesis. And so here they've got some pottage and they're going to put it over the fire and they're going to boil this and it's going to be a stew. It's going to be a soup. It's going to be filled with vegetables. And while, you know, we may not eat the finest things, God feeds us. I'm sure pottage, not the best thing that could be eaten, but thank God that we're eating when a multitude of others have far less than what we have. And I think that always needs to be recognized. Could God give us more in the flesh? He certainly could. But we have what we have for the purpose and for the cause of God. And so the Lord, we ought to be thankful for what the Lord has blessed us with. So he finds a wild vine and gathered wild gourds. So he finds this vine that's growing out in the wilderness and it's it's full of gourds. And in a day and in an hour when there's a dearth and when there's a famine and there's just not much opportunity to gather and to eat, you see a vine full of gourds and you think, man, what? How wonderful this is, that we're going to be able to eat all of this. This will be a, a great help. But you know why the vine was full of gourds? It was full of gourds because they were, they were bitter. And you know, whether they're poisonous or not, I don't know. A lot of scholars would say that these were a, a, a gourd that was referred to as the gall of the earth that the taste of them was so acrid and so bitter that it couldn't be stomached to be eaten, that it was a great bitter taste, and not that it was necessarily poison to the body, but that just the taste of it would cause you to spit that out. But he doesn't know what it is here. And so you think about discernment, you think about how the Lord's provided us eyes, and hands. You know, when I'm out in the woods or when I'm at work, we're often going down banks and underneath bridges and next to creeks. God provided me eyes to be able to look and see whether there was a snake there or not, or whether that this is poison ivy or not, whether this is poison oak, that I would know to stay away from these things that could cause harm to me. But you know, if, if I don't know, and, and I work with fellas that that can't tell what poison ivy is. If I don't have the knowledge of what that is, then I am not able to discern whether it's good or bad. And so what I'm left with there is 
this fellow will say, well, is, is that poison ivy or is that poison ivy? And he's looking to somebody that's able to discern the difference between good and bad. And the church, if if anybody is able to discern what is of God and what is not, the church is the place. And you know, I, I realize there's some that are grown and that are stronger in the faith, and there's some that are weak and that don't have the discernment. And, and I ought to be able to recognize that and look to those and trust in those that have a higher discernment. That I might know the difference between what's good and what's right and what's holy and what's not. And so he's gave us all of these tools that we might know what is bad for us and what is good for us. And God, of a truth, the, the greatest tool that the church has in discernment is the Holy Spirit of God. And so that whether we link up with that in the Spirit, <coughs> whether we are able to recognize God's witness on what's being said and what's being done, that Spirit will allow us to recognize whether that is really from God or whether it's not. And you know, I I recognize that in a desire to not hurt feelings or to put people off, we want to withhold that discernment and just accept whatever is said and whatever is done. And so often, it's to the detriment of everybody there eating that pottage. Everybody's led to eat that in, and it's poisoning their mind and their heart. It's clouding their mind and their heart to what the true Spirit of God is. And so we've come to the day now that a multitude of churches, a man can get up and preach the gospel in the power of the Spirit of God, and then the next day a, this, a different man can get up and preach in the power of the flesh, our church has ate in so many wild gourds that they're not able to discern the difference between the true word of God and between that that is poison and of the flesh. Well, the Spirit is there to give us that discernment. And I promise, if it don't link up just right, it's not right. Though it sounds and, and though the crowd might amen it, and though they might ridicule you for not admitting it, if it doesn't link up in the Spirit, it's not right. But we've got something else as well to help us and aid us in discerning. So we've got those that are our elders that have discernment through their life and living in this world. We have the Spirit of God that indwells us that allows us to link up with those that, that we hear and what we hear and what we see and know whether it's good or evil. And we've got the written word of God. Now again, the Spirit was given to me. And of a truth, the word of God was given to me. And yet, I'm going to have to spend some time studying that I might know the word of God. And our prayer ought to be day by day. God, give us this day our daily bread. Let me grow in some portion of the scripture today. Open my understanding in my heart and write that upon my heart that, that I might recognize the truth and error and that I might be better equipped 
to walk for you in this world today. And so God, through the Word, through the Spirit, and through the elders and the church round about us, would like for us to use discernment. And certainly we've, we've got examples of that in Revelation. I don't remember which church it is, and I'm not going to turn there. In Revelation 2, uh, he says, You've tried those that said they were prophets and were not. So they were using discernment, and they were checking to see whether it was of God or not. And they proved them that they were not of God. So if you let anything and everything come and be thrown in the pot down at the church. Now here's the, the picture here is they're cooking soup and they've got a big pot over the fire and they're throwing in the gourds. If you let every kind of gourd go in there, something's going to be poisonous. So that's the picture we have here in the Kings. But as we come down to the house of God, if you let any old thing go, then know that poison is going to creep into the church. And at first it might be acrid. And we might say, you know, that just don't sound right. But you eat that long enough, and you'll grow accustomed to the acrid taste. My God, before long, we're eating that that is rooted and built by the flesh and by the carnal mind of man. God, nowhere in the vicinity of it. We're eating that in, and we're calling that good. May God forbid that from happening in our lives. May we desire greater discernment from God. And so this man sees this wild vine. It's full of gourds because nobody's touched it. There's been others, no doubt, that's walked by this and saw the great number of gourds that were there, but they passed by it because they recognized what it truly was. You know, that, that should have been a sign of itself to this young man, as well as the vision that God gave him. Look at it and see and recognize what it is. But he didn't know what it is. The Bible says he brought his lap full and shred them into the pot because they didn't know them. They knew not. They didn't know what they were doing. And so often, that's the case, it's allowed because nobody knows what it is. And so they poured out for the men to eat. So they're going to serve this pottage. It's cooked. They've got plenty of vegetables in it now, these wild gourds included. And they're going to serve it to everybody. They pour it out to every man. And as they're eating, they cried out, O thou man of God, there's death in the pot and they could not eat thereof. So they couldn't take this in. This was of no benefit to them because of what had been cooked in the pot. Now, you think about it like this in, in our day. The spiritual man is the one that needs fed. The inward man. And so that we come to the house of God, that the word of God might enter into our hearts 
and might help us day by day. But if it's not of God, then the inward man can't eat of that because the inward man is born of the Spirit. He lives by the Spirit. And so the inward man rejects it. But now in the flesh, we can sit there and eat that all day long and poison the pot. Not just for me, but for everybody in the house of God. And if I tell everybody in the house of God that this is the right thing, that is the Spirit, then they begin to believe that as well. But thank God once they tasted. Now they had not only the eyesight to look at, but they had taste. When it goes into their mouth, they know, wait a minute, this doesn't taste right. They couldn't recognize it by eyesight, but they sure recognized it by the way it tasted when it went into them. And if we can't discern the difference by looking, then we ought to be able to take it in and recognize that this is not of God in the day and hour that we live in. Now, if I don't know the Word of God, of course I'm not going to recognize it right off the bat. But if I'm saved, surely to God by the Spirit, I'll be able to recognize that this is not God. But man gets in a frenzy and emotion and of the flesh and gets carried away in this foolishness and never recognizes that none of it is by the inspiration of God. That's a It's a very sad thing of a truth, it is. He said, bring meal. So the man of God is going to fix the problem. He says, bring me some meal. And so flour. If you've ever made any kind of soup, most likely you've put a little flour in it to help thicken it up. No doubt these men had already put some meal into the pot and it didn't fix the problem. It's not the meal that's going to fix it any more than it was over in chapter number 2 when he fixed the, the water there with salt. It wasn't the salt that was going to fix the water, but it was rather the power of God in that. And so God is going to fix this pot of soup by his power by casting in meal into it. And the death and the, the, the rotten taste, the poison, however that it would be, is going to be removed from the pot that they might be able to eat it. Ain't it amazing how that the Holy Ghost of God and the Word can take something and make it a strength to my heart. And so he casts it in and says, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. So a, a great miracle here, not a work of man, but a work of God proving again Elisha's power as a prophet. He cures and heals the pottage that everybody might eat and might be strengthened. And so when we come to the house of God, that ought to be our desire. and We ought to have some discernment as to what we allow to go into the pot. And there came a man from Baal Shal Isha. And the man and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. So here we've got God providing in the wilderness 
what they need to make the pottage. And here we've got God providing for these men through the hands and blessing of another. So if, if you remember the, the law of the first fruits in the Old Testament, they were to bring the first fruits of the fields and of their crops and offer them to God. And if they did that, the rest of their crop would be blessed by God. And so here they are, they're in the northern ten tribes, remembering that they have uh, withdrawn and the kingdom is now split. And these northern tribes, they're not allowed to go to Jerusalem to worship. And so this man, he's got the first fruits. Here's a man that's trying to serve God by the law, trying to uh, do as God would have him to do. And so he takes the first fruits of his field, and since he can't take it to the temple, he brings it to the best that he's got. He brings it down to the prophet and to the sons of the prophets that they might eat thereof. So in a sense, he's offering his first fruits offering and it's going to benefit the man of God and those that are learned by him. So he brings and says, give to the people. And his servitor said, what should I set this before a hundred men? So the servitor, he sounds a whole lot like Philip. Philip said, Lord, 200 penny worth of bread is not enough to feed this multitude. So they've been brought this, this is a wondrous blessing. I mean, we're in a day that there's a great dearth, and here's a man bringing his first fruits and offering to these folks. And he says, I want you to take this and eat. And the servant says, what good is this going to be amongst a hundred men? How can this be of any value? There's not enough here to feed anywhere near half of these men, and you want me to set this out before them? He said again, Give the people that they may eat, for thus saith the Lord, they shall eat and shall leave thereof. And so Elisha's saying, give this to the people and his servitor. Now you think Elisha's the head man here. He is the man of God. He could have said, oh, look at these good foods. I'm going to take them in and keep them for myself, for my benefit and for my good. No, he, he tells his servant, take this and, and give it out to everybody that everybody might eat. So he's got the thought of the good of the flock in mind and not what's good for Elisha. And so here they are. He says, the Lord said, that they're going to eat of this, and there's going to be left over. So again, another work that we see the Lord Jesus do, he's going to take that which is little and multiply it out. You talk about a... I, I was looking for a word, and but a miracle that is completely against the thought of man that as the Lord blessed the bread and the fish and gave it to the 5,000 men, that they would take a, a, a portion of bread and they would take a portion of fish and what was in the basket would never go down. It was being multiplied. And I realize 5,000 men plus women and children is much more impressive than this. But this is equally as impressive and impossible, that enough food for 25 is going to feed a 100 men. They're going to eat till they're full, 
and there's going to be left over. And so the type and shadow of the Lord Jesus' work, but now you think about how that uh, a lot of times the man of God feels weak, he feels insignificant, he feels unable, he feels ignorant. Uh, a lot of times we feel like we're unable to be beneficial to people. But you know, if, if God would bless our work with his spirit, it's not about how much. And now again, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound like I'm saying you don't have to study. I say absolutely not. You should study. But when the devil comes by and says, boy, that wasn't much. That didn't do any good. And he causes you to feel like you made a, a blundering mess. And in the flesh, perhaps we did. I feel like I do that often. But you know, in Christ Jesus and through the Spirit, that little bit can be multiplied and others can be strengthened in their heart. And so he sets before them and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. So there was a word of God. There was obedience to the word of God. There was a carrying out then. And so through the work of the man of God, this food is multiplied. So two times here at the end of this fourth chapter, we see God making provision that the men, uh, the sons of the prophets, might be able to eat. And we see God today making provision that we might be able to eat. And if we would desire to listen to teaching of the Word of God, to preaching, there's a means today to be able to listen to as much as we would like to, honest. And I realize not all is good, but with discernment, we can throw out the bad gourds and we can keep the good, certainly. So I hope this word of God's been a help to you. I thank you for taking the time to listen to our pitiful, pitiful means. We pray that God would bless and strengthen you today and in the days to come. We love you.